0: Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30 day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is one of my old mates, Mark Thompson, Manager Enrichment Programming for the stunning Seabourn Cruise Lines. Coming up on today's show... Mark tells us about stories from life at sea...
1: Yeah, share a few stories as well that often sometimes you forget and maybe block from your mind.
0: Phil talks about one of life's great mysteries... Isn't it amazing how irate people can get over, under or overcooked broccoli? And Mark recounts
1: an embarrassing moment. Unfortunately for me as well, that was during the time to do have video cameras. All that
0: and so much more as Mark chats us through his wonderful career journey so far. One
1: final thing before
0: we get into it, if you could take a moment to subscribe to the show and leave us a cheeky review on your favourite podcast app, it really would help more than I can say. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to one of my oldest shipmates, and that's not in terms of your age, by the way. <laughs> uh, Mark Thompson, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, Phil, great to be with you. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, I mm-hmm. hope you oldest is in uh, our years working together, not the fact that I'm now in my 50s.
0: <laughs> yes, well, I, you know, that's, um, what, 25 odd years ago now that we were working together?
1: 20, 25? 20, yeah, 20. Yeah, you're right. 23, 24 years. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah, yeah, many moons ago. Yeah. God. I was yeah, I was slim, yes, the good old days. I'm still slim, that's fine. Um, yeah, I won't stand up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, well, I, you've actually got one of, when I was, uh, I suppose, doing my research, I had a look on LinkedIn to see what you were actually up to these days. You're one of these people that I've known for so long, and half the time I've just not a clue what you do. And the job, that, job title that you have now is awesome manager enrichment programming.
1: Yes, that's absolutely right.
0: Yeah, what is that all about?
1: Yeah, you know, I have to say, um, it's probably taken quite a long time to get here, but I do have the most brilliant job now. So still connected to the cruise industry, which of course you and I know each other from, from a few decades ago. But essentially I take care of what we call guest enrichment. So most people going on board a cruise ship, maybe even not being on a cruise ship before, or you know maybe you're familiar with the cruise ship environment, but we have what we call on board guest speakers. So the brand I work with, we will bring on board everything from celebrity chefs, well celebrated sporting heroes, people from film, media, business world, technology, and I essentially manage that program for Seabourn Cruise Line, which is um, an ultra luxury cruise brand that I'm with now and have been for quite some time. So I work with these people, I engage. To bring on board new talent I deal with their scheduling the logistics of their travel and essentially just work with them to ensure that they bring out the best stories to enrich our guests on board so our guests learn something new or will basically um, experience a different conversation to with somebody that never actually would have come into contact with a normal everyday life.
0: Yeah brilliant I mean that I suppose that's taking experience up to a new level you're now enriching people's lives as opposed to just focusing on the, the experience itself
1: Yes, I think, obviously, there's a lot of, let's say, opinions around the cruise industry, which obviously is a massive part of, of hospitality, you know, the the number of people that travel on cruise ships every year. I mean, literally, it's, it's millions. It's up as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the biggest growth areas, actually, within the hospitality industry. And there are cruise ships out there for everybody. It's like hotels, you know, you've got those small, really ultra-luxury ships, you've got those mass-market, larger ships. So cruise ships are out there sort of catering for every different type of holiday maker but again it's also mean people look for different things for that onboard experience and for some people they are really going for that level of enrichment that entertainment that either growing their mind or learning a new skill so the great thing is that with the program I look after we can really give that varied offering for our guests on board so very interesting. I I speak to and meet people that are just, it's incredible the achievements that they have in life that you wouldn't, I would never have actually normally come across if it wasn't for the work that I'm doing now. Yeah. So yes, so I'm very fortunate in the position that I'm in.
0: Yeah, 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 that sounds really, really cool. Do you know what, when I was uh, writing some notes ahead of our chat today, I had, um, I don't know if you know this, but I I indirectly wrote a a marketing piece for P&O without even realising it way back in the beginning when uh, I worked for them because I uh, that I don't know if we worked together on my very first contract, but I was like a little puppy and wide-eyed and the world was just amazing and I loved the job and everything was just fantastic. And I, I remember saying to one of the, the three stripers at the time, Jane, Jane, whose second name escapes me at this point in time. she was Jane awesome. Green. Yes, Jane Green. Yeah, she was absolutely brilliant. I remember coming into work one day and just going, uh, life doesn't get any better than this. And then I saw that in PO's marketing two years later, and I always wondered.
1: There I, you go. That, that's your, that's that. your legacy.
0: Yeah, so I've got one. I've got one for Seabourn now. Uh, as oh, well, yeah, just uh, so there. <laughs> there are there are cruise lines, and then there's Seabourn. Oh,
1: and you know what? That's absolutely true. Yeah. We are totally uh, out there as the. Very niche, very premium, very uh, a, a product that certainly was not replicated across the market. So I think you could be onto something there.
0: I've got a, a side hustle in the <laughs> yeah. making here. Just do marketing taglines for everyone.
1: That's your legacy anyway. It's good to know that yeah, they're still creating that, uh, that uh, well, I think it's unbelievable holiday happiness at P&O now that oh, they have.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely didn't do that one um, for sure. But uh, anyway, right. Well, let's get into your journey and yes. let's head all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into hospitality in the first
1: place? Well, for me, actually, by accident, which is probably not uncommon, actually, um, I started my career at the age of 16, going straight into HR. Back in the days in local government, I was very fortunate I was at night schools doing my a-levels I was actually working for Clark's shoe shop straight away as soon as I left school you know it was a depressed working town essentially that I was living in in the northeast and 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 even back then the job situation there wasn't these great opportunities that you see now there wasn't social media back then um, it was a very traditional way of, of, of work really so I was studying on a night at night and a fellow student said to me we you're looking for people in local government come and come and work with us so I did that for seven years in human resources and the only reason I mention that now is I think it's that whole communication that people relationship side of HR that I really loved and thought okay I want to take this further and I actually wanted to travel but a typical job in local government back then wasn't particularly that well paid so my Not early
0: twenty,
1: travel over. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, this is it. I then went and uh, again through the connections that you have, I worked with somebody that told me to go and be a Thompson holiday rep. So back in 1997, I took a job at fifty pounds a week, so which was actually less than I was earning local government, and went to be a holiday rep. Which I thought, okay, this is great. I'll get paid. I'll be abroad. You know, I'll start to live my life and you know um, really get that excitement, that enrichment of being overseas country. And I ended up being placed in a tiny little resort in Austria with three small hotels and about four guests a week. that were all keen walkers that came and, and visited my hotel. So I spent most nights playing Scrabble with them because, again, it was those days without any internet. And uh, But I loved it. I loved the whole connection with people and thought, this is actually an industry I want to stay in. I progressed very quickly with Thompson. Back then, obviously, they're now known as TUI, but they were still then a massive um, hospitality um, holiday company. So, because of your surname probably right i mean they, yeah you know, exactly that helped Thompson, i'd always Thompson. get to oh, yes you were one of the sons of the owners but i do think i'd be working in this hotel if my dad owned this company <laughs> <laughs> but i i um i sort of made the most of that time a couple of years sort of getting grounding my feet in hospitality which when you worked as a holiday rep my god you did get that whole um uh, that yeah, grounding of i can it. only you know imagine
0: the, the life you you get uh, well, I mean, we'll probably come on to the life that you got to see when on a cruise ship. But uh, yeah, as a holiday rep uh, as well, I can imagine that there's some dark stories in the back background. Somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, quite a few, which is, which I'm actually quite thankful that time. There was no social media around, actually, to probably mm-hmm. report most of them.
0: It was a simpler time.
1: <laughs> yes. So, well, I do remember that then I moved on to within Thompson, then I went on to Thompson Cruise Ships, of which point Holiday Watchdog was quite a well-watched program in the TV. So I do remember these large sort of camcorder-type videos coming and pointed at me when I was on the Thompson Cruise Rep desk when people you know, we're going going to their cabins and they weren't quite necessarily the, the standard the Thompson brochure had shown them. But as I say, this was quite some time ago. Obviously, things have, have really greatly improved and changed. But um, that really led to my career within hospitality and obviously the cruise industry, of which over the last 20 years I've been really part of, apart from a few short periods of time on land in, in hotels, I've always drifted back to that one common sort of um denominator in the sense of, of being at sea or at least connected with sea.
0: Yeah. Was that then at the beginning of your career, was that really the main driver? Being wanted to see a little bit of the world? It wasn't so much at that point around this is what I want to do, this is the direction I'm going to take. I'm going to, I, what I want to do is go travel and then kind of see what happens.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Even in my 20s, I'd never thought I wanted to be in HR. I'd never sort of had that career driven thing of you know how some people probably grow up and think they always want to be a vet or they want to be you know a dental surgeon or whatever I didn't ever actually have that in mind, so I think for me, I thought, let me go and travel, take a year out almost, but actually, then I stayed and just loved the travel, but getting paid while you travel um and again, that whole I was very fortunate that I'd learnt sort of in my early days in retail as well. You know, if you can work in a shoe shop in Middlesbrough, you know, it's a good setting and grounding for the rest of your life, dealing with people's feet and uh, (laughs) (laughs) measuring children's shoes for Clark's shoes back then, but dealing with anxious parents. So from that age, I think, you know, from then I thought, actually, I enjoy the interaction with people and uh, let's do this as a paid career. And it just sort of went from there, really. And and obviously, you know, um, but maybe many of the listeners don't, to work on the cruise ship is just a phenomenal experience. To have that ability to see so many different places in a short space of time, and to be paid to be going there, Um, you know, at that age as well. When you,
0: yeah, absolutely. When When you're 20s. yeah, and I was like a wide-eyed little puppy, as I said earlier on. And yeah, I was just—I will never ever forget my first port that we went to, which was Madeira, Funchal. an absolutely stunning place in the world. And I remember back then getting up, you know, with the sun. To come in to watch the the ship, you know, dock and uh, and and kind of just absorb the whole experience. And as you say, at, at the age we were, and somebody's paying you to wake up somewhere different every day. And okay, yes, it's quite a tough job at times. But nevertheless, you kind of for me, it, it, it always the the joy of knowing that you were I don't know one day out of Barcelona or. You know t- tomorrow you're going to be in Sydney you know these were that was the whole reason why I I did that job um yeah. at, the, at the beginning and then you realize that actually there's one hell of a career you can forge for yourself here
1: yeah absolutely and I think you know um we follow the same paths initially for those first few years and almost organically you know you, you get to know your job well you do it well you learn from it and then you move up to the next rank and, and and obviously then that sort of whole merchant navy formality of when we were working there at sea and you know then you have the tax benefits as well. And it was it was a lot of great things I think at that time kept me there for ultimately for years when mm. originally it was just going to be an initial stop gap. Um, you know, then you go from that appreciation of getting up early on a sunrise to see those new ports of call. But then you've seen those ports. You end up probably going to bed when the sun rises, <laughs> because of, because of the flip side of that is a social life on board, you know, and, and working with those colleagues hard during the day, and then you know enjoying yourselves at night together. So yes. great, great times.
0: That old uh, work hard, play hard. Definitely, yes. Wrong, true at that uh, at that time of life for sure. So your your time on. Was uh, the, was it a conscious decision from you to to move from Thompson to P and O? Was it just one of those things? An opportunity came across your your lap, and you thought, "Let's let's go for it."
1: Well, as you know, so so P and O's head office is in Southampton. It was actually guest that I had on board a Thompson ship said to me, "I live in Southampton." You know, you should be doing something with a a, basically a more premium cruise line. You could have a real career here, you know, and because Thompson was a certain product back at that time for more mass market cruising, whereas P&O obviously was established more from, you know, the 1800s. It was um, had a really great name. So. They said to me, <clears throat> why don't you apply, you know, come and have a career as a purser and, you know, come stay with us. What we'll, you know, if you get an interview, we'll, we'll take care of you. And actually, to this day, they're almost like surrogate parents to me. So they inspired me. I looked at it. The wage was really good. I could see a lot of progression. They were doing world cruising as well. It wasn't just seven day Mediterranean cruising. So it was just through, again, the connections of the people that you meet. And I think that's one great thing about hospitalities. You just don't know who you're going to have a conversation Mm. with that day or that evening because of the variety of people that you interact with. So, again, by accident, but what a great opportunity that was. And, you know, I stayed with them on board for five years. Similar thing to your your duration as well, Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think for me, it was uh, five years was the right ending. Yes, um, absolutely. I, uh, it's you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful life as a as a, a young, free, and single guy. You know, seeing the world and mm-hmm. and all of that. But there is also there's a disconnected element to it as well, right? In terms of the real world, you know. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And that was ultimately what uh, what drove me to. Say mm. right, okay. Well, that and the fact that I met my now wife, who you know, yes. you know, I had probably a bit of a say in it. But at the same time, it, when you wake up in the morning and you're in Barcelona, and you think, oh God, we're in Barcelona again," yes, it's, it's time to go.
1: It is yes. I mean, I remember people getting excited about being in Monte Carlo and everything. I just wanted to go to bed, you know, in the afternoon and have a siesta. (laughs) I was no interest to go. And I think you're absolutely right when you start to become really sort of blasé about those places. And of course, it comes with its sacrifices. You know, I miss various major events, you know, friends' weddings and. grandparents anniversaries and as much as you could try and navigate those special times to be at home Mm. the reality is it was many months at sea and that was the nature of the contract so for me I think I was missing that as well that sort of um the time that, that with, with loved ones back at home and family and um, parents getting older and things so yeah um f- after five years I came back although I did drift back into it again a little bit later but that, <laughs> so I've been that, that, on off ships really for a while but the great thing was that I went into hotels then to hotel management up in the northeast of England where I'm from and it was brilliant to take all those transferable skills from a cruise ship environment because essentially they're a floating hotel and I would have never got into a hotel management role I had I stayed in HR, I had I just had a retail background yeah. so I'm always thankful to my career at P&O for allowing me to then really give me a great foundation to to just build on it from there with within the hotel industry and then ultimately luxury cruise lines at, at later years.
0: Yeah just describe some of the jobs that you had when you were with, with P&O
1: so, Sanchez started on, on the front desk as what I suppose the hotel equivalent being a receptionist. as so it was called what, back then as a junior purser, which was actually quite a complicated role in the sense that this was pre-Euro. So, you would be in Greece one day and obviously... Yes. Hundreds and thousands of guests on board, depending on what ship you're on, would have all their Greek drachmas and they'd be standing along a line buying their postage stamp to send a card home because it's pre-email days. They'd be changing their Greek drachmas into Portuguese escudos because the next port would be heading on to Lisbon and then the Spanish peseta. So you were dealing with thousands and thousands of um, pounds equivalent of currency exchange and selling stamps. And then hopefully at the end of the day, God willing, you were able to balance your float and they had to enable you to finish the day and not not having lost various amounts of money, which sometimes that was the difficult part. But yes, I managed to master that eventually and then move from there to the crew office because of course on a ship, yes, we talk about hundreds of guests, but there are also hundreds of crew as well. So I used to take care of the equivalent services with the crew, dealing with crew payroll looking after their passports, the crew welfare side, before eventually my claim to fame was progressing to be a, a three-stripe officer and what they were known at the time as a passenger services manager. So overseeing all those functions, overseeing the front desk, supporting the crew officer, looking after accommodation. You know, with, um, the ships I was working on was over, I think, 500, 600 rooms, cabins as they were, state rooms as some cruise lines will call them, so a massive 24-hour operation. And I think unlike a hotel where you can suddenly send out for extra staff or you can, you know, run along to Tesco because you're hosting a wedding and you're too lamb shank short or whatever, you don't have that ability or that luxury and accruciate. You've got to really improvise and uh, just think on your feet all the time. I, so yeah, And
0: plan uh, as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I'd-
1: Absolutely. And then finally make it up as you go along.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> an, <laughs> an awful of... lot of that.
0: An awful lot <laughs> of that. Yeah. Can you remember what the um, the nickname was of uh, junior purses on reception? I have something in my head that. You oh, really? Watch it with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. The Japs and then the WAPs for the female purses, wasn't there?
0: That's right. And uh, Stamp Lickers is what I remember. <laughs>
1: yes. yes. <laughs> um, Which we were back then. Yes, for sure. did, oh. Yeah.
0: But you know what? I, I I still look at that time as such a formative time for as a as a young person, and much like you're saying, in terms of having the opportunity to work with humans, and you know, in terms of the, the the people who are coming to you with their problems, basically, and you trying to turn that around and make it into you know not a disaster for for somebody's holiday, the the learning that gives you in such a short space of time you know yeah. who you who you are at the beginning of a contract versus who you are at the end of a contract i thought the the learning experience was just off the off the
1: charts yeah i think you know you're always that fresh faced, energetic back from leave type person at the beginning and then usually by the end of the well, i did a few cruises. i was a broken man usually um <laughs> I was quite fortunate I did two world cruises as in the role of what they call as a birthing officer. So not the birthing of the ship. You know, I don't have the, the brains or uh, skill to be navigational or deck related. But the birthing officer of managing people's and their room changes and so moving from cabin to cabin in every port of call. Which is you'll probably know is quite a unique position because back then they had what they call friendly fours, so you would book a bed within a room.
0: In inverted commas, anything yes. but
1: friendly. That's yeah. what we're fighting for because you would have four complete strangers due to go on a world cruise, and maybe one of them would be cruising to Hong Kong and one to Sydney, and you know, and, and just literally. Different ages, different backgrounds,
0: and whoever got in there first gets the bottom bunk. Gets the then... bottom bunk, <laughs> yes.
1: There's always like the 95 year old with an arthritic hip was always the last one to check in, who would be expected to climb that ladder. But no, so those those sort of many days of just sat listening to people, and obviously every excuse and every reason came out of the book of why they should have a room change and why they should be the one that that should have a cabin on their own because. The cabin mates coming home at three AM, or the you know the other cabin mates bringing a stranger back to the room, and and obviously everybody's different toilet bathroom habits and all these things would come yeah. out, and it was like literally just what what a world to, to to be experiencing back then. So I think having listened to that for three or four months, it would often I'd be ready for for my leave by the end of that time, crawling down the gangway.
0: Yeah, I I, I, we, I think we always used to talk about the fact that you were, as you say, you come on board day one refreshed go you know and then I think you kind of peak by about month four and then you're just hanging on
1: yes yes, for for dear life yeah because it's that absence of a day off isn't it and that working routine so our contracts you know 70 hours a week on a cruise ship you know 10 hours a day seven days a week four five six months at a time I mean if you see that job advert you know in uh, the Guardian Jobs or your local jobs paper you know wanted seven days a week next four months so ten hours a day it, who really is going to apply for that but mm. I think the the positive side of it that you don't really see is that it is such a great environment from a from a um, you know that humor that sort of inter relationships you have and and you're taken care of as well. You know, the food is there, the laundry's done for you. So there's no commuting, which downside to that means there's no excuse of being late for work. You weren't yeah. stuck in any traffic. Yeah. that's um, a problem of mine uh, in
0: the first contract. Anyway. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. So uh, very unusual times, but certainly I think great from a, uh, from, building on from that and knowing that almost you can handle many different things and you become very resilient as well don't you because yeah. you reduce the stamina you develop in that environment because it's a late sale suddenly there's flights coming in late to barbados you're not leaving at 11 o'clock you're leaving at 3 a.m in the morning you're coming into port early you know back in the day visiting with times and ships are still going to saint petersburg you know going into russia and the formality that that would bring um you know the 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 thousands of people moving out on tour and, and and you're managing the expectations of immigration officials there mm.
0: yeah god almighty it's a very different <laughs> time isn't it <laughs>
1: yeah
0: unbelievable Do you ever I always remember like going to bed and the world is fine and then waking up and coming into work and you know everyone that's important is in the back office yes because something has happened and you like there's lots of chit, chit chat chit chat chit chat and you're about to go on a reception shift and you've no idea what's about to be announced, and then they'll come over the, t- the tannoy and say, "With regret, you know, <laughs> we, we've had a, a, a an engine malfunction, so we're basically going to crawl to the next port and decamp you all, and fly you back home, and then we're going to, you know, trickle back to Southampton to get it fixed, or or mm. to wh- whatever shipyard it was that we, that we would get it fixed." And I, I remember that happened on Aurora, and you remember, yes. I, I just remember thinking to myself. Bed in, lad. This is going <laughs> to be tough.
1: Was that the start of the world cruise, which was like 140 days, but I actually only did three days sailing around the Isle of Wight? It was the back
0: inaugural back. cruise. It was the very oh, first. Right. Yeah, yeah, very first cruise oh.
1: that uh, Aurora
0: was going on. So all of these people who'd obviously, you know, uh, basically ticking off cruise ships as inaugural cruise passengers, <laughs> it was the only reason they were coming on the cruise, all of that kind of kind of stuff but the one thing yeah. i do remember about that was uh os response was exceptional in terms of what they threw at the the passengers who were you know effectively out of an experience yes they refunded they gave them free bar free shop uh while they were on board and then they got another free cruise in the future uh as yeah. well and i remember thinking i mean that's how to because nobody can then stand in front of you and complain because they've they've you know they've they're they're a holiday up for free,
1: yeah, and I think you know we've been very fortunate we, we work for like great great cruise lines that um ultimately they do do the right thing, and I think in any hospitality situation, I think it's that. Thinking, okay, this is obviously a negative situation. That particular, you know, scenario of, of not getting the holiday that you're expecting or paid for, but taking that negative situation and actually turning it into a real positive by the way it's been handled. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, you know, I think we talk about about that a lot in hospitality about that neutral experience that sometimes people can have, whether you know it's with a waiter at the table or your receptionist when you check into a hotel. But actually, when something is needs more interaction, or maybe something isn't quite right, or it's not as your expectation, it's often how that's handled can you can take away from that. And I I did learn a lot during my days of sitting on that front desk and having that support from senior persons, inspiring people like Jane Green that you mentioned earlier. Mm. These people that you know shape your careers and then but give you that. let
0: Kelly. My, my yes. Oh gosh, so Another icon.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, like, this is like a podcast about
0: p and like, Well, this is gonna, turning into a bit of a just general catch-up, really, isn't it? Yes. Um, right. A reminisce.
1: <laughs> um. Five-star hospitality means having the right
0: people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual
1: leave easy. It's simple, drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts. All through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be.
0: But but no, I you are know, getting back to message, I suppose, yeah, as a as a training ground, I don't think there there's a there was a, certainly at that time there was a better place to be because you're you're dealing with problems you are know, twenty-four-seven, but you're surrounded by people who care about delivering on those problems but also yes. uh, supporting you in whatever you need to to you know to get you past your learning stage and and I think that's a it's just such a massively important part of anybody coming into whatever part of the industry really is that it's it's one thing to be in a job where you're excited by the day to day it's another thing to then have the support when you are way out of your depth which is inevitable at some point in your career, isn't it? That you're, you're going to find yourself out of your
1: depth. Yes, definitely. I think, uh, I hope you'll probably agree with me here. But I think the great thing is also in the ship environment is that you got exposure to many different styles of management and different leaders as well in very short spaces of time because mm. everyone on board, not just you and I, but our leaders, our senior purses, our hotel directors, were, were going on vacation themselves. They were going on leave, leaving the ship. You bring somebody else and you suddenly be reporting to somebody, somebody else two months later somebody different again your next contract your next ship and that exposure to different styles of managers you can almost take something different from each one and and i think that's a brilliant aspect of that type of environment of hospitality Mm. especially when you're young like we were back then to absorb those different um, communication skills i always remember you know um Ian Smythe, one of our other, you know, leaders on board, you know, giving him a letter that we're going out to our guests and get his red Mont Blanc pen out and editing that for me. But it's it really helped me in the future and honing my communication to ensure that everything from a written perspective was very clear and very you know articulate so I think um, the good thing about what we've learned from there is that we we, we could ex- be exposed to different styles of leaders in very short spaces of time and not have that one same boss for many years which yeah that's great if you do but but that variety I think is, is very helpful
0: yeah I hadn't really ever thought of that to be honest but that probably without you even realizing it as well it just it, it's making you more adaptable.
1: Very much so. Yeah, because I think that ability, that's exactly the right word there, adapting to that almost new environment, you know, because every leader, every manager has different expectations. And you'd have to often be, you know, adapt your style of working or, you know, change your approach as well. And the communication that you learn from that, you know, there's very fast, responsive leaders that are compared to those that maybe were more methodical, more thoughtful, took longer to make decisions. Was different types there and I think that's really helped me from that time to to adapt to different environments now and working for different directors and vice presidents as you you know progress up the hospitality career it's still the same fundamental framework of like how do you communicate with these people and what do they expect from you and also Mm -hmm. what do you expect from them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anyway, I'm not going to make this the P&O episode. Yes, yeah, um, sorry. No, no, no. That's all <laughs> on me. All on me. Um, yeah, because you, uh, you you'd already moved your story along and I brought you back. So um, <laughs> so you you moved to uh, into the world of hotels. Uh, and then yes. uh, what happened after that?
1: Yes, yeah, so I had a great few years in hotel management uh, up in the northeast where I'm from. And then I got the opportunity to take all those skills and actually go back into the cruise industry, but into a training role. And by that stage, I was quite tired of working shifts, working weekends, the usual Christmas or the rest of it, in hospitality that's a normal working day. So I was quite excited by an opportunity to, to take all these skills and actually go and uh, train crews for their roles on board. So I took uh, what they called a a training consultancy contract for six months. was actually based out in India for two months because at that particular point in time, a lot of the crew were were sourced and um, trained out in India and Mumbai, um, which was a brilliant role that I had there. The project came to an end, the ship launched, um, all the crew went on board, and I then decided I still look happy on land and didn't want to go back to sea. So my hospitality career then continued in land, but in restaurant sales and um, event management, a quite iconic brand, Harvey Nichols, uh, based in London, which many people know is a successful and obviously luxury retail brand. But also a great hospitality business as well with standalone restaurants in London. I was fortunate to work based at OXO Tower. Iconic building on the South Bank, and look yeah. after restaurants, sales, and business development there. And a bit, it's, it's quite a different God.
0: trajectory as well from what you were doing previously, or 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 is it? I mean, is it just one of those things whereby you've again we're talking transferable skills? It might not seem like it's a a, a direct fit in job title terms, but actually, just in terms of the skills that you've developed in that time, it was actually quite a quite a natural fit.
1: Yeah, and I think it's because, I mean, I had a really inspiring director, but she was very futuristic in terms of her thinking about sales and about business development. And she really focused actually on relationship building and about communication and about service delivery, the way that you communicate with your clients, the way you connect with people, which, of course, going back to that cruise background that I had and also then in training and communication, um, I was fortunate to be offered the role there. So you're absolutely right looking at a piece of paper. and may well not necessarily be something you'd see as a natural progression or an ideal fit, but of course, I know you've you've had a great career or have still have a great career in recruitment you you'll also know that it's it's about looking at the skills that somebody has and not necessarily their previous job title. so what type of person are they here so I think for me, fundamentally, it was all that whole communication, really, and, and, and bringing across um, back into a new sales world is that, that I moved into. How do I build relationships? How do I overcome challenges? How do I communicate with people? Which is everything you learn when you're on a reception in a, crew, in a cruise ship or whether you're communicating with crew members of a different language, different culture. How can you quickly connect with them? So, and uh, Harvey Nichols is an international brand, London's an international city. So it felt right for me and fortunately felt right for that business to appoint me into that role, which was another great three years of my hospitality career.
0: Right. Yeah, I I think we reconnected at that point as well.
1: did, yes.
0: And I remember thinking at the time, I would never have picked you for a business development role. That 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 was the you know, in terms of the, who you are and who I knew you to be and all of that. But I mean that kind of comes back to what we've just been talking around. It it's from a job title perspective, it's one thing. But actually what you bring to the role, and this is one of the things that I think I, I, I just really love about your career. Um, and we'll obviously complete the story uh, at, at some point. I might be getting ahead of myself here. But you've had a you've not had one continuous line up to get to somewhere you've done no. a bit of this and a bit of that and I mean that in the best possible way and it's it it's almost been because it's a natural thing for you to go and do to go and do that thing at that time
1: yeah no you're, you're absolutely right and I think uh, it's interesting that you identify that because I'm not always conscious of it but but you're spot on and I think I've never made a decision based on a job title or a salary Um, And I mean that in the sense, of course, we're all working, you know, to earn a living and everything. But even right from the beginning of my career, I think it's always for me about, okay, if you're happy in a role, if you're making a difference, if you're enjoying what you're doing, you'll naturally attract the earnings, you'll naturally excel and develop in that position. So I think, I mean, I went into a sales role and that targeted role with bonuses and everything. But that's because the director that appointed me wanted someone to focus on the service and the relationship, knowing that the sale will actually come organically from that. And it's that age old phrase about people buy from people that they like. And so I think from that point of view, with me, I've always, yes, moved into different positions, but it's been based on the fact of will I enjoy that? Would I learn from that? Do I enjoy the people I'm working with? Is this an organisation that I feel part of, that I feel included with? Um, and as you will probably would have seen in my my profile, that I've gone back to businesses as well and gone back to organisations. And I think that's really important too, to sometimes step away, learn a new skill, experience a different environment, and then go back. You know, I don't think there's any hard or fast rule to, I know traditionally you will go, you progress down that career path of always moving to your next position. I think for me, I've always just... Been, wanted to find something they've enjoyed doing and then you know have a laugh at work work with great people and of course yes earn a salary that you need but but just enjoy it enjoy the journey that we're all doing really yeah
0: otherwise, it's such what's a big the top, part of right? our lives isn't it? yeah and
1: hospitality works so many hours you've got to really enjoy it and love it. and i think if you Like you were saying earlier, you know, after that five years in a particular job in a ship environment, if it's not something you want to do anymore, I think in hospitality, you can't really fake it because you are exposed all the time to people. You can't, Mm. you've got to be genuine with it, I feel anyway. So the times I've I've felt, okay, I need to move on from this. And I've I've made that decision and looked for a new challenge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So uh, from Harvey Nix, sorry, am I allowed to to call it Harvey (laughs) Nix? Uh, well, Harvey they Lewis. do that, time, so yes, of yeah. course.
1: So I then uh, actually had the opportunity, you talked earlier about meeting your lovely wife at sea. By that point, then I was with my partner and um, uh, who was connected also with the cruise industry. So the two of us took an opportunity to go two back to sea or actually transferred into a role in HR and training on board. And the cruise lines are brilliant that and they often still are now depending who you're working with. And we had the opportunity to sail and work together. So we had this four months away at sea, home for two months together. Um him progressing and enjoying his work in HR and training, me in a business development and a m- on onboard revenue role at um, sea. And I, we ended up doing that together there for three years and then moving across to another brand where again, he progressed in his HR and training role and I continued within my sales and uh, business development work, but actually for generating revenue on board the ship. And that's where basically I was for the last decade so it's strange how it went a bit of a U-turn, but I went back into a different position and also in a different status as well, being able to sail as a couple, which was which was great to enjoy that time on board. And like you were saying earlier, you leave because you want to have a family and you want to have that stability at home, but actually have the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, again, a very different type of position, certainly on uh, on the face of it. what What... what what was the job? Because I, again I don't think this is this really uh, existed too much when when we were working together no, at wasn't. C. But obviously right. I suppose like most most things it's a case of, well, you know with the rising costs of everything, and this is way before the time that we're in now, revenue opportunities are, you know, massively important, aren't they, to the to sustainability of the business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's that whole so a whole commercial goal and that was whole I think work many years ago around the fact that, you know, on a cruise ship environment, but also like hotels on land now, like restaurants. You know, you go into a restaurant, and they, you know, they're trying to sell you the still water, the sparkling water. Before they'll offer you the tap water. There's you no know, the hotel room uh, reception check in, trying to upgrade you. You know, wanting to use the hotel spa. Again, same on the cruise ship experience. It was about maximising that onboard revenue, really, to help the profitability of the business, but also to give the guests an enhanced great time. You know to ensure that they were enjoying the maybe wines that they would have never thought of buying before in the restaurant or having that unique spa experience, going into a casino and actually learning how to play blackjack and maybe losing the odd 20 quid here and there or actually maybe winning. So my role back then when, when I went aboard was to really sort of look at harmonizing those messages, making sure we connected with our guests ensuring that it was almost a seamless on-board experience for them because it wasn't just about those shoreside activities. Yes, being in Barcelona or Monte Carlo, going out there. But when they came back on board, ensuring they had a great time, but most importantly, from a business perspective, ensuring that it was profitable as well. Um, and that, that you made that onboard revenue, and generated it, which is my responsibility for three years with, with Holland America Line. And then from there, I moved on to Seabourn for six years, looking after future cruise sales. So actually capturing the guests while they were there in the moment on board, ensuring that they deposited and secured their next future cruise booking with Seabourn, rather than go out there and maybe see marketing or advertising messages from competitor brands.
0: Yeah, and well, I mean, that's that kind of concludes your your rise to Seabourn, as it were, because as we've already alluded to, they are, I mean, really at the pinnacle of of the the, the cruise industry from a luxury perspective. You've been with them for how long now?
1: so i've actually worked for the company for about eight years so um obviously the covid times came badly impacted the cruise industry so i took yeah. some time out there took a different opportunity for a couple of years and went back last year but out of my entire 20 odd years at sea then then seaborn accounts for almost half of that time so yeah great brand and it's been fortunate for me to come back into again a whole new role but Going back again to that service hospitality type approach, but this time looking after guest speakers and uh, a different aspect of cruising.
0: Yeah, but still relationships uh, are, are at the heart of that, I guess
1: yeah absolutely because we want to attract we do attract amazing talent on board you know i mean just this week i was on one of our ships escorting a paralympian you know gold medalist uh really exceptional lady that that mother um, registered blind has achieved so much in her life and should be coming to share her stories with our guests later this year so i had the the, the great fortune to meet her show around at one of the ship in one of our ports here in the uk so, and again, it's that whole relationship, working closely with her agent, then also directly with her, um, ensuring that she's set up for success. And then again, ensuring that our guests on board really get the most out of of, of that particular speaker sailing with them.
0: Yeah, it sounds fabulous. I, um Yes, well, I, well, maybe you and I will talk off camera about Seaborn in a lot more detail. Um, because I think it, you
1: could be a great future guest speaker with us, telling us all the stories about <laughs> your times. <to>
0: <laughs> oh, okay, if you want, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, no, because a
1: book in you there somewhere, isn't there? Well,
0: with, I think there's a book in everybody that's worked at, <laughs> at, at hospitality, is or not. The uh, the stories, which is probably a quite a nice segue, actually. Into, uh, do you have any? funny stories from your career that you can share with us.
1: Oh gosh. Right. Uh, well, yeah, Appropriate to share. Um, so that is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think you, you, you go back to that whole, you work hard, you play hard. You know, I've been in some really great fun, interesting situations. I mean, as you know, it's about to start again. If maybe it hasn't already, the strictly come dancing is very popular in this country In the, U- in the U S it's dancing with the stars same concept so one of the brands i was with on board they did dancing with the stripes So I went through this intensive training with one of the professional dancers and the ship was uh, one of our Holland America line ships had over 3000 guests on board and we had to perform live in the theatre on the stage. So myself and a professional dancer uh, with a rendition from Saturday Night Fever, which was totally horrific. And you you understand that bright lights and that being on the stage and things. So unfortunately for me as well, that was during the time people do have video cameras and recordings of it, which... I managed to try and sort of avoid or keep off the mass market internet but um yeah i think you know there's those sort of situations which are very highly exposed and funny times the people that i've met as well along the way i think um was very fortunate to meet you know those sort of like childhood heroes that you have like for example rusty lee you know the famous tv and yeah. Caribbean oh, she's kids. awesome yeah she's sailed with us before hilarious and you know what you what the reality of, of working with her or sailing with her is exactly like how she's on the television so i've had some great fun times with her when she's been on board And then, of course, there's those times that you're probably more likely to forget. I remember uh, at one stage with colleagues who you probably know of um, late at night needing to deliver takeaway pizza to a room and borrowing a mobility scooter to take that because it's quite a long ship and I didn't want the pizza to get cold using a, a mobility scooter to deliver that from one end of the ship to the other uh which i suppose when you look back maybe was um yes humorous but maybe uh, an action that maybe i wouldn't want to repeat no no no
0: but i think we, we were all different human beings in in that time and you've kind of you've got to do these things in order to get the mistakes out of your system haven't you that's the way yes, that's the way that's, i looked at it anyway
1: yeah, and said scooter was returned safely and recharged. Recharged. In yes. time before yeah. in time before it was needed for for for, for its for its uh, primary owner. Yeah. Um yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, looking back, there are some many good times. And I think that's the great fun about it. You know, you work with colleagues, don't you, you get really well with them? And you're in a, a, maybe a hotel environment or, um, you know, a restaurant or wherever it may be that you work in hospitality, you go home, you don't really have that much interaction with them outside of work but I was I was even to this day I have made such wonderful friends that I still keep in contact with from that time and mm. yeah share a few stories as well that often sometimes you forget or maybe block from your mind.
0: Yeah, well everybody has a different uh, experience from your own, don't they? So what you remember is uh, not necessarily what other people remember uh, <laughs> yes, and,
1: and vice exactly. versa. What you hope other people forget.
0: Yeah. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely there was definitely times like that for <laughs> sure. But um great. Well, I mean Look, well, uh, what's next for 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 you? I mean, I suppose you're you've got your your feet under the table in this fantastic role. It sounds like you are as happy as a pig in the mire. Um, in in what you're yeah.
1: doing, yeah, yeah. Again, I think it goes back, isn't it? Talked to him about earlier. I've got a phenomenal director, to her report. Who he's really inspiring. He's given me really great opportunities to take this position and. And really diversify our onboard guest speakers, um, you know. So we're really we're moving um, well beyond the traditional sort of destination lecturer that you would have on some ships. And we call ours actually conversationalists because it's not just about what they do on stage; it's about their interactions off-stage, hosting tables, escorting tours. So I've been really fortunate to meet many in, in the future, communicate with many new, uh, basically people from different areas and walks of life. So it's less than a year for me in this current position. So I've still got a lot more to do. And that's my focus really in the coming year. And then, yeah, let's see what takes us from then really. But but for now, I've, I've got a lot in this role to, to, to get on with. And uh, that's my focus really for the coming year. Fantastic. I
0: mean, I, I think you've already kind of answered this question loosely through the the, the, the the conversation that we've had, but uh, what would be your main reasons why somebody should join hospitality
1: as a career? Uh, I think there are the people that you meet. I think, you know, those lifelong friendships that you form, the exposure you have also to different cultures, different nationalities, and not only maybe in the environment that you're working in, but the opportunity to travel with 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 whoever you're working with, so if you are in a hotel, a restaurant, a cruise ship, wherever it may be that you're in the service industry, that opens many doors. Not only here in, in you know the UK or overseas or wherever you're based, listening to this this podcast, but also the opportunity to travel f- with that and get paid along the way. So I think, and most importantly, the fun, the elements that you have. You know, most people from a user perspective, the guest, the customer, the client, whatever it is are there to have a good time in the hospitality environment And yes of course there's always those challenges that come up but you're in that positive environment and i think the world we live in today it's great to go to work where you're making people happy you're delivering a great experience and you're making a difference each day and i think from that you get a lot of job satisfaction and perks as well you know travel perks discount savings i mean the hospitality industry you can really enjoy things that maybe you wouldn't have exposure to if you're working in a bank or you know in an office environment and i think you can also enjoy that with your family and friends and share those experiences with Mm. other people as well that again might be new for them so enjoy the travel meet great people and enjoy the perks that that environment brings for you
0: yeah and take take the learning of the 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 problem-solving element to to the role as well. Another memory just sparked. Isn't it amazing how irate people can get over uh, under or overcooked broccoli? That's what (laughs) that's what I always remember from my time in F&B on the on the ship was is that I can't believe somebody will will lose their proverbial stuff just because their broccoli was a little bit undercooked or whatever. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you deal with people, especially also in an overseas environment, they've travelled, they're tired, you've taken them out of their comfort zone, then they're in an unfamiliar environment. I mean, the way people react is quite astonishing, isn't it? And mm-hmm. We'll have both seen quite extreme situations of that. And uh, you definitely, it's character building when you deal with, with, with those uh, scenarios, for sure. Yeah, um, But generally, most important, most of the time, people are, Great to deal with, but you know it's that usual ten percent of them that cause ninety percent of the headaches for us.
0: Yes, indeed, it's probably even more like one percent of them, isn't it? That's the yes, the, the um, the yeah, but uh, yeah, the rest of them are all wonderful.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely, it's a great way to 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 meet many people, both as I say, as the profession is the customer, but also the team that you work with. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Great stuff. Well, look, thank you so much, Mark, for uh, coming on and sharing your story. It's been great to to catch up uh, as as well. And uh, yeah, wish you guys all the very best with your next chapter, whatever that looks like. And I will, uh, I have to make a point of getting on a seaborne cruise at some point in my life.
1: You do, yeah. It's made for you and Helen, and yeah, just inspire your listeners to whether it's the, for themselves or you know one of the family members. But any anyone should should try the the work and experience a cruise ship, either as a guest or as a as an employee, because it's just a phenomenal way to travel, isn't it? Really, and yeah. and, and learnings. Whether as I say, you are the guest on board or if you're an employee, it's really take take some great experiences from it, yeah. as you and I have, indeed
0: absolutely mark thank you so much and uh yeah wish you all the very best
1: cheers phil great to catch up with you yeah you too cheers now cheers bye bye -bye.
0: and there we have it i was thrilled to get some time with mark showcasing what a wonderful and varied career you can have whilst working in the cruise line industry whilst also showing some of the amazing experiences you can have along the way we'll be back as usual at 8 p.m next wednesday for another story from hospitality so until then thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week